and welcome to the Heady Conversations with Scott and Miranda. Welcome back, friends. Um, this week we are finally going to give you that deeper dive on uh, Landris, Landrace, Landrasa, uh, Landris. <laughs> uh, there's there's even actual. Um, conflicting information on where the word even comes from i've seen it as the dutch uh land race uh quote unquote and l-a-n-d-r-a-c-e but i've also seen it coming from german right uh land ross um l-a-n-d-r-a-s-s-e right uh i don't know i've seen danish a lot okay yeah I yep. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> but there you go. Uh regardless of how you say it or where the word comes from, uh what we're talking about is essentially uh what you can think of as the heirloom um breeds of cannabis. The original indicas and sativas, where indica and sativa sort of came from. Right. So um you know, we've talked multiple times at this point about how the terms indica and sativa really have way less to do with um, specifically how any given cannabis flower is going to make you feel versus actually describing what type of leaves it has, mm-hmm. um, how tall yeah. it gets, how long it takes to get to flowering uh where it comes from what the leaves look like yeah it's all it's crazy yeah i mean having a moment it's all very fluid um so yeah what 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 these terms actually uh mean and where they actually come from is specifically describing uh the types of plants that were found in different areas and parts of the world and the characteristics that those plants have um physically rather than the actual effects that any of those plants have right because you've got your indicas, which are, um, God, phenotypes, indicas. I'm sorry, my brain is just... Yeah, so your indicas are going to be shorter, stockier, um, more stout plants. They tend to have more broad leaves. Um, and that is because they grew up in uh, rougher, harsher climates. Um, they're, you know, they're going to be the strains that you found in the mountains in uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan and uh, the Himalayas and places like that. So further away from heat. Yes. And further away from the equator. Yes. Which uh, is where you get your sativas right and (laughs) and also in windy environments too right Right. so you're not going to see these big tall uh lanky plants that have all this distance between the individual nodes because they would just be blown over right uh they you know uh if branches weren't snapping then they'd be going through some serious high stress um good for some things but uh not necessarily for cannabis um, you want low stress training uh, mm-hmm. when you're growing cannabis so that you can control the way the branches grow. Well, 
uh, you know, some people, I should say, like <laughs> um, low stress training uh, where they do stuff like that um, so that you can branch out your your stems uh, and uh, control direction, um, but also density within the plant. Right. So that you're getting things right. more opened up inside. Um, so you're getting more even distribution of the light and the um, the moisture as well. Um, but yeah, generally, um, you're not looking to high stress <laughs> your high plants. stress grow your plants. No. But that's that's the the environment where indicas came from, right? Probably um, not. Probably definitely rockier soil mm -hmm. um, where you're not uh, necessarily putting roots down as deep. Um, but yeah, then growing more stout and stocky so that you can survive the wind and um, the winters and the winters too. Yeah, sure. Some seriously snowy winters in those mountains. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't Which know what, kind of what the grow season is like in the Himalayas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, typically you're going to have, uh, shorter flowering times, right? So that's. There are lots of reasons, and I think we've mentioned this before, right? That you see less sativas in the market because mm -hmm. you get less yield. Um, yield from sativa plants in general than you get from indicas. And that, that's for a number of reasons. Uh, when you get a shorter, uh, more stout plant, you're going to have more uh, individual space and places for those flowers to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you're doing stuff like that, low stress training and topping off your flowers regularly, uh, to get all kinds of different, you know, branches to sprout up where you want them to. But also because the, um, vegetation and flowering times, both are going to be shorter than your sativas are. Right. Uh, your sativas, because, um, like Miranda said, they're going to grow closer to the equator. So they're going to have more access to uh, more sunlight and warmer temperatures and um, thus more rain and humidity. Uh, I was going to say much more humidity. Yeah, for sure. So, so I think almost longer flowering times. Uh, no, not almost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> longer, <laughs> longer flowering times. Yeah. Um, and, and because those plants want to just continue to grow, right? They want to soak up that sunlight or light source, whatever, that energy, um, and just grow. A, a lot of sativas naturally occurring will be over six feet tall. Uh, whereas oh. a bunch of indicas that you find are um, going to be your shorter stockier. Yeah. They will yeah. end up around that like three to five foot range and be these big bushier, you know, um, kind of, you know, uh, round, uh, bushes. Uh, yeah. Bushes. <laughs> uh, whereas the sativas will tend to kind of more naturally develop that, you know, what we call now lollipopping. Um, right. in, in the grow world where you, you know, uh, intentionally strip down all of your kind of inner fan leaves, um, to really allow airflow is a big thing in growing cannabis. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you need to make sure that, uh, there's good solid airflow throughout the entire plant. Otherwise you can develop mold issues, um, because things are just getting too moist and sticky. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I, I almost, I would just sat here and thought about this. I almost feel like the word weed came from the whole sativa plant and the way that it grows because it's so tall, spindly, and like wiry. 
It grows like a weed. I think we talked about that in one of the early episodes. Yeah. Uh, the, the fact that uh, it will grow, you know, to, to grow cannabis is not hard. <laughs> to grow good, <laughs> good cannabis. cannabis. Um <laughs> takes knowledge and know-how and uh and care and consideration but if you just want to grow a big old plant in your backyard you could probably throw some seeds in the ground sure and let that happen uh it might you, not be good right if, if, <laughs> i should say if you live in an area where it's legal for you to throw seeds in the ground <laughs> Most places, even if it's legal to grow, you are required to have your plants either um, in a, like, fenced-in area, so it's under lock right. and key. You know, there's specific laws to try to make sure that plants aren't getting into kids' hands or even wildlife. Uh, you don't want a bunch of stone deer running around your area. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> They're messy. You want to talk about messy animals when they're stoned. Deer are messy enough as it is. Exactly. Add weed to that. Deer will hit your car <laughs> regularly. Uh, they're not the brightest. Um, but yeah, anyway. No spatial awareness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that's our fault for uh, encroaching on all their habitat at this point. But, for sure. Uh, yeah. Especially if you live here in the Mid-Atlantic, you know, <laughs> there's uh, a whole stretch of time where you've got to... Be alert about your surroundings when it comes to mating season with the deer because they'll be just hopping all over the place. And in some places, just after 6 p.m. <laughs> that dusk period, not a good time. For true. For true. Uh, so let's talk about some strains. Yeah, uh, surely. So, um, you know, we should state that even... Um, a lot of places now go so far as to say um, the strains that are available are land race based and a lot of places even call them specifically heirloom as opposed to land race now um, because they admit that even with the genetics that we're talking about, right? So when we talk about land race, we talk about these strains that come from a specific place um, that are supposedly untouched genetics. But <laughs> we all know how that goes. <laughs> having said that, um, we all know that uh, humans have been using <laughs> cannabis for uh, millennia. Uh, literally, we know this. Uh, thousands of years, uh, we've had a relationship to the plant. Um, and people, humans have naturally, um, done quote unquote genetic engineering on plants, uh, just over time by selectively breeding right. certain traits into things, right? So a lot of the, uh, sativa land race strains that would normally take, um, some of these strains eight to 10 months to fully grow, yep. cure, etc. Um, they've been genetically evolved to right. speed up that process. To yeah, right. To shorten flowering time, to shorten vegetative time, to yield as much as possible, to yield as much as possible, to also yield more quickly than they were naturally inclined to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you really want to be sure, I mean, obviously there are seed companies out there, <laughs> of course. There, there is no shortage of seed companies out there that have, you know, entire land race sections of their websites and their offerings available to you. Um, but I feel like the most honest ones will actually tell you 
Most of these are heirloom. Uh, some of them we do believe to be land race, but um, that's with the acknowledgement that, you know, certain tr- traits have been, you know, bred into them at this point. But um, there are there are still, I would say, several dozen um, that are commercially available. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, originally we know there had to be millions millions is probably a bit (laughs) hyperbolic um certainly hundreds yeah certainly hundreds if not thousands if not thousands i mean we know that there were what uh 300 400 different apple trees something like that yeah i don't know somebody's gonna some nerd's gonna call up and correct me (laughs) or write in and correct me um but But yeah. yeah i mean i mean depending on the certain parts of the world that you go into i mean we don't even know if there were landris strains in north america at some point i would think there had to be but there's like no record that we know of um yeah i don't know uh so there's i mean that's why i say millions because who knows where things haven't been investigated far enough that i mean we have a list of some but the list is not extensive or complete by any by any stretch i don't think at one point everything was connected uh was cannabis around while everything was still connected or not yeah (laughs) if it was yeah. Around before everything was still connected, or while everything was still connected back in the Pangea days, um, then yeah, they, you know, you could absolutely be correct. There could have been millions of different um, strains available at one point in time. But regardless, we know <laughs> that there were surely hundreds, if not thousands. Um, and it's a shame that we have so few now, but. Uh, some of them are great and and uh, still available. Yeah, if if nothing else, um, you can certainly find a bunch of them as parents in a lot of your mm-hmm. favorite strains these days too, uh, because that's something that a lot of the modern growers have now done in order to because the landry strains weren't necessarily uh, strong. No. You know, low testing. They were. Well, I mean, it just depends. I'm sure some of. Them... I mean, low testing. <laughs> I mean, low testing as compared to now. Right. Yeah. Well, that's and, and that's exactly you know the point that I was getting to where a lot of people will take Durban poison, uh, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite sativas um, and an absolutely fantastic smoke, both in flower form and Durban poison concentrates are also you know usually really good sativa leaning concentrates for people um for me durban is high focus uh, but also a little bit of energy boost too uh, but yeah typically not high thc right uh and i think you know uh, i think we've talked about this in the past before too i don't even necessarily know that energy boost quote unquote is a thing a lot of the times with cannabis for me but just not being draggy right you know and also what you're doing then the addition of the mental stimulation without you know right. the the couch clock kind of creates a more energized feeling uh when really it's just not <laughs> sedative right 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 um anyway but yeah i mean i mean lamb's bread is one of was like my first sativa my first sativa uh by I don't remember who grew it, who grew it at that point. Um, but lamb's bread was, I got 
first time I had it, it was testing at like 14%. And it just hit me right in the right spot. I was super euphoric, really creative, like great focus. It was a fantastic strain. I do miss, I haven't had lamb's bread flour in a really long time. Lamb's bread, a.k.a. lamb's breath, uh, yes. is the other name for it. From um, Jamaica? Yeah, fun fact about lamb's bread, supposedly Bob Marley's favorite strain, which totally makes sense, because being a naturally occurring strain in Jamaica, yeah, it's probably, you know, some of the stuff that Bob either smoked the most, or smoked first, or... Smoked first and smoked the most. You know, <laughs> if, if it's growing in your backyard, uh, which cannabis is inclined to do in in such a climate mm-hmm. as, as a place like Jamaica, um, surely uh, a, a young man growing up in that environment is probably going to smoke a lot of it. Uh, but yeah, Durban poison, as I mentioned, um, comes from the Durban, uh, uh, Malawi, Kilimanjaro region of Africa. Um, Acapulco Gold. Mm. Uh, I have only had Acapulco Gold once. One time. Same for me. It was an absolute mind-blowing experience. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I have no bad things to say. It was gorgeous. It tasted great. It smelled great. It looked great. Um, Yeah. It was just... (laughs) It was great. Beautiful, beautiful... (laughs) That that gold um, clearly comes from the coloration. When you grind it up, it's mm-hmm. got a lot of yellow, kind of gold, you know, dark yellow pistols uh, all over it. And when you grind it up, it kind of gets that glittery um, yellow gold coloration to it. Um, but yeah, really, if you can get your hands on it, uh, highly recommended. Nobody, nobody <laughs> in the Maryland market. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> I think somebody down in D.C. does grow it, and I don't remember who. I'll have to look it up. Uh, but I I think, I want to say I saw it on Tacoma's menu at some point uh, when I was scrolling through stuff. Um, but yeah, Panama Red, you said lamb's bread uh, was the, the first mm-hmm. um, sativa that you smoked. Panama Red might be the first sativa that I smoked. Yeah? Um, yeah, we used to get some Jamaican red hair, but then I also got stuff that was called... now. Who knows if Who knows? it actually was or not. <laughs> um, I'm talking back in the brickweed days. Uh, and, and the reason it was called brickweed is because literally um, in order to, you know, smuggle the stuff, transport the most. Um, I don't know. You know, for whatever reason they were doing it uh, with the what the cannabis um, smugglers at the time were doing. <laughs> was taking just giant batches of cannabis and kind of, uh, not kind of, definitely using pressure to compress the cannabis down into these bricks of compressed uh, vegetal material, um, seeds, stems, everything, and just a wee tiny bit of flour and all (laughs) um, into these literal bricks of cannabis. So yeah, uh, if you it was were, always really dry. Yeah, super super dry. <laughs> um, super super stemmy, stale, stemmy, seedy. I mean, by the time you picked through an ounce bag, you were really legitimately lucky if you got 
a, a little over, over a quarter. quarter. You know, maybe if you if you knew the right dude uh, who was, you know. Um, high enough up the food chain, you might be getting stuff that you could get a, a half ounce of flour out of an ounce of, of, of vegetable material. Um, but yeah, anyway, supposedly it was Jamaican red and Panama red. Nice. Which I wonder now if Jamaican red was lamb's bread or something different. I don't know. Who knows? Cause I've never, I've, I've heard the term many times, uh, but I've never seen a strain called Jamaican, Jamaican red, red same in any dispensary or adult use market that nope. I can think of. Nope. But yeah, those there's... are, um, oh yeah. Thai, thai and, and chocolate. chocolate Thai. Which I haven't seen chocolate Thai, but I feel like we've had some Thai strains. I think again, I think I've seen chocolate Thai down in DC from mm. somebody. Um, but yeah, we've got a bunch of different Thai strains in the um, Maryland market. We've got the uh, what's the Garcia? Um, shit, I don't remember. Uh, oh, sorry, that's I'm I'm thinking lemon Thai. I was ignorant. I what I was thinking <laughs> of there was Burmese mimosa, uh, which actually might be I I don't know I don't remember what the genetics on that are. I might have just been pulling that out of the air. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've got um, Thai Lights. Thai Lights, yeah. Uh, Thai G. Verano, Thai G, uh, which was also from Verano, which was a great smoke. Uh, much more indica-leaning than the Thai Lights normally is. Um, I don't remember what the cross was on that. But, but yeah. We usually have a lemon Thai, too, on the market. But yeah, obviously those strains are, again, um, based on what we, you know, you can tell from the names, right? Acapulco is Mexico. And, uh, you know, like we said, uh, Africa, uh, Colombia um, with the, the Panama red and the Colombian gold and then the Thai and chocolate Thai from Asia. Uh, you're talking about those warm equatorial mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, region steamy right uh humid hot moist um lots of sun (laughs) right then you get into the um indica land race strains right and you're talking about uh your afghani hindu kush yeah uh lashkar ga which i've never ever seen no well a lot of these are pipe dream literally yeah Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of these, obviously, uh, like we said, are not particularly um, high yielding or um, high THC, um, probably high terpenoid. Yeah. You know, on most of them naturally occurring if you if you grow them. Um, I actually read an article recently and I can't believe I didn't um, pull this up to to include in this episode but i totally forgot about it until now about excuse me it was a a question of what is the um strongest weed in the world right like naturally occurring weed in the world like what place has the strongest Uh (coughs) and it was about this african tribe and the one thing they were a um transitory people they they uh what do you call it? Um, migratory. Migratory. Yeah. Okay. So they traveled around and the one thing that they brought with them from <laughs> place to place, seriously, is they would dig up these mother plants 
um, from the camp, you know, right. after that season passed, right. and take their plants with them from one place to another, to another, to another, right? So, you know, we just talked about the fact that, you know, people have been doing quote-unquote genetic engineering through uh, selective breeding. Well, this tribe has literally been doing it uninterrupted. And uh, unintentionally. Well, I mean... I'm sure they know what they're doing. Oh know? yeah, but I mean, like you know, sun, soil, blah blah blah. Right, wherever right. they wherever they end up, and they replant. Right. They're not taking, I'm sure, a coffin full of dirt with it <laughs> to replant these guys. Correct, but they but they probably are taking the strongest, most productive plants. Right. Right. You would assume. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, kind of the better genetics, the you know, the stronger the genetics, right? Because I'm sure I don't. Let's let's say George and Dan, right? I'm sure in this village, um, somebody is going around saying, "Yo, bro, you got to smoke the <laughs> shit that George grew this year. That shit is fire." Right, you know, right, like, right. We got to make sure we take his plant to the next camp, right? Uh, and thus, all of a sudden, George OG is birthed, <laughs> and you've got your your land race strain um, taking on the genetics of. You know, the strongest plant in the village time and time right. again, right? And that's, uh, in theory, what some of these, because I'm sure in some of the, the Nepali climates and, and uh, you know, the mountains of Afghanistan and stuff like that, they were, they had to be hardy plants, yeah, right? Like we said. Absolutely. So it only serves to reason um, <laughs> that, that people were uh, preserving the... Um, the uh, the, the strongest, you mm-hmm. know, survival of the fittest kind of idea, right? Best plant wins. Um, but yeah, the, you know, uh, that's that's Landris, pretty much. Um, you're talking about terroir. You're talking about different types mm-hmm. of characteristics um, that come from the plants themselves, um, rather than having been bred you know, specifically to create a certain effect or feel or... Right. um, So that begs the question to me, um, with strains that are still out and about in the market, like Afghani, um, were the terpenes so much higher? I mean, clearly, it probably wasn't a 30 percenter, like back in the 70s. There wasn't a 30 percenter back in the 70s. No, there was barely 13. Yeah. Uh, back in the 70s. So I wonder, I wonder to some extent, you know, now that it's been genetically engineered and genetically altered, how much of it is still truly Landris? Right. And, and that's, you know, like I said, I feel like the um, the most honest companies, uh, maybe the most educated companies is a better way to put it mm. because some places, um, might not, they're not trying to be, uh, deceptive or anything like that. It's just, you don't know what you don't know. Right. right? Um, so the, whatever seeds of Durban poison or Afghani or Acapulco gold that you're getting, by the very definition, generally speaking, have been uh, genetically steered absolutely in, into creation, um, which is why you have Afghani with like three percent mercine. 
and whatnot. Right. Uh, you you would assume. Right. Uh, because, you know, again, you're 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 at thirty percent. You're saying, uh, you know, Dan's version of Afghani, that's where you get into the phenotypes, and that's where you get into the the pheno hunting now has created these monster genetics yeah uh where you know and chef brandon talked about that right mm-hmm. he said it's no longer natural right is it is it still fair to call uh the cannabis that we're smoking in 2022 through these medical and adult use programs around the country and around the world where you know, the pH is being controlled mm-hmm. to the nth degree and the newts, uh, you know, the nutrients are being pumped through, yeah. you know, whether it's aeroponically or hydroponically, you know, at, at that point when you're growing the plant to perform at such a high level and to create such um, specific desired effects, is it still fair uh, to talk about it as if it's just... You know, a plant. Oh, well, you know, you throw a seed in the ground, man. Well, if you throw a seed in the <laughs> ground and there's another, you know, even if it's a female plant, if there's a male plant within a mile of you, mm-hmm. your female plant could grow, um, you know, could get seeded out and all of a sudden you don't have as much room. Exactly. Flower. And so, yeah, I mean, um, it, it's, it's interesting to note uh, that, that it's an interesting conversation to have. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I feel like it's an honest conversation that, that everybody needs to have. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, it's, uh, certain people, certain people don't care. It, it's all it's about, it's all about, um, creating that super high THC. I mean, well, you see that with brands that apparently don't care about Terps. Uh, they just care about creating that THC girl. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah it's you know uh it's what are you what are you what's most effective for you uh, at the end of the day right i mean in theory that's what we're talking about and that's what people are going to steer themselves towards is what gives them the the greatest effect um and the most beneficial i feel like yeah we're seeing a better or more of an uptick towards people who are cruising the market for um higher terpenes not necessarily lower thc because they want the high thc as well but i really feel like people are really looking at those terpenes now so i feel like that's a good thing it needs to happen for sure because thc is just going to get you high ish maybe uh, yeah, I mean, d- depends on, you know, <laughs> I've, I've talked, uh, I think a few times at this point about the fact that high THC and no terps for me is just a headache, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, I'm just not going to get, certainly not, um, the, the, as good of an effect as I do from high terps, but a lot of times I don't even get a, um, a positive effect at all. It's just more of a uh, a head buzz, um, which is generally speaking not necessarily what I'm looking for. Um, Interestingly enough, I smoked some really high THC low terp flower the other day, and it did absolutely nothing for me. Right. It was like I hadn't even smoked a joint at all. That's 
you know. Uh, no headache. I wasn't even slightly bemused by life. Um, I was just, in general, left with a really disappointing smoke that I just essentially burned money. So that was that was very, I don't know, ineffective and very made me very grumpy. I mean, so, you know, that's that's an experience that I've had with concentrates more often than not. Uh, and sometimes even with a pen, just, you know. Oh, for sure, with pens. It's it's not... Uh, the, the Terp's got to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like... Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to be snooty about it, but I feel like the synthetic or um, derivative Terps uh, just don't... It's not that they don't give me effect. They don't give me the same type of effect that... Smoking flower does. Exactly. There's a complete difference. And there's a there's a big disconnect. Um Yeah, I mean I'm not a I'm not a big vape smoker, but I will choose a joint over a vape any old day. Even if it is a Landra strain. (laughs) Which I do believe I have a, a lamb's bread vape over there in the in the bowl. Well, but, you know, we've talked about before, unless it's live resin, um, and even still then, uh, it's still not necessarily strain-specific. Very true. A lot of times they're creating a terpene blend or a terpene cocktail mix. That mimics the terpenes of the specific strain. Yeah, I think it was, Mm -hmm. um, uh, ironically enough, strain, (laughs) the company, (laughs) S-T-R-A-N-E, um, that put up, it was a really cool video of um, concentrate juice basically sitting there with the terps on top, uh, and then the little stir hand goes down into uh-huh. the beaker and mixes the terps into, and it, I mean, it was cool, but yeah, also, the you know, Miranda's kind of making like <laughs> this... a, a cringe face, um, because, yeah, it's... It's cringy. That shouldn't, I, like, I'm not, I'm not really into adding terps i'm not talking down about anybody who enjoys those cartridges or any company that makes those cartridges i'm talking about what my body uh feels and uh feels good on and with um and generally speaking it's just not cartridges yeah same now i mean i did tell miranda's story a little bit earlier about (laughs) a situation where i was watching a movie and the only thing that was available to me at the time um was a pen and it had been i don't even know six or seven months probably since i had hit a pen um i mean i still have demos that i got while i was working at the dispensary that i haven't screwed onto a battery or touched same yeah um because they (laughs) just they gave us way too many of those uh and i mean hey free thc is free thc i guess but at the same time if it ain't doing it for me yeah why smoke it yeah it's just not just not (laughs) we need to put that on a t-shirt right (laughs) um but anyway life's too short to drink crappy (laughs) coffee is uh you know a pretty popular one life is definitely too short to smoke crappy thc products and not even necessarily crappy, but THC products that uh, don't work for you and, you know, provide what you need. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So if you want to be super snooty about it, uh, if you want to smoke a true land race, land race strain, 
um, your best bet is to go to one of those places, <laughs> uh, whether it be Jamaica, whether it be, you know, the, the mountains of, you know, the uh, Himalayas, Nepal or what have you. Um, that's, that's what you're looking at. Uh, you know, actually going to one of those places and experiencing the plant growing wild um, because that's the, you know, obviously that's the only genetic uh, selection or, or that's happening there is natural selection. Yeah. Uh, whatever, you know, nature has done to make sure that the hardiest and uh, healthiest of the plants survives and propagates. Um, but yeah, speaking of propagation, um, the, the third type of land restraint, uh, that we haven't talked about yet is kind of the, the grandfather of, uh, auto flowering cannabis. Right. It was um, discovered in the twenties discovered, um, some dude found it <laughs> in, yeah. in, yeah, in Russia. But, yeah, you know, t talking about that selective breeding um, and the different types of um, landris that are, you know, mixed in with genetics now, ruderalis are one of those um, that were specifically used to control the time and um uh, gestation period, the, the flowering and very short flowering period, vegetative, um, times, uh, involved in these cannabis strains, right? So, um, you may not have heard of any ruderalis strains, uh, specifically, but you probably are smoking something that's got some high amount of <laughs> ruderalis bred into it, um, because that's going to allow them to, um, grow very hardy uh and short flowering time mm -hmm. so when you pair that with the stuff the uh the low stress training and of course the the types of lights that we have nowadays um yeah you're you're gonna get six to seven weeks for flowering which is yeah that's no time at all no uh, you know, a, a lot of seeds that you buy, well, it, I mean, it just depends on the strain, Yeah, uh, but it's not uncommon to see strains that have flowering times of six to eight weeks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I think, I think that does it, um, for the Landry strains for the most part, if you have additional questions, uh, about what they are or where you can find them, uh, probably best to search Leafly or Weed Maps in your area, honestly, uh, for some of the strains that we've mentioned or to try to find uh, other strains that we may not have mentioned. There were some more uh, Indicas that we didn't get to, but... What were they against? Uh, <laughs> some of them were very fun. They are fun to say, um, and I don't, of course, know if I'm pronouncing them all correctly, but uh, Mazar or Mazar, M-A-Z-A-R, um, is another really old strain that we've known about for a long time. Um, Lashkarga, we already mentioned. Tashkurgan. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's the time I've spent in Stockholm that makes me feel like I should say that Swedish or not. But, um, and then my favorite is Shebergen. Um, 
No regrets when you smoke Schabergen flour. Nope. Ermagert. Um, <laughs> That's fucking adorable. I got a bag of Schabergen. <laughs> um, yeah, I, very fun. S-H-E-B-E-R-G-H-A-N. Um, they look like beautiful flower. Very purple. Uh, if, you, if you look them up, uh, there's definitely some cool looking stuff out there. Um, I always think the indicas look crazier. You get those dark purple colors. Some blues. It just really makes the trichomes pop, s- stick out. Yeah. Uh, literally and figuratively, uh, I guess. But, um, yeah, you know, if you're... If you are a grower, if you live in a state where uh, growing is legal for you, you can absolutely go check out some of these seed companies and, you know, search for either heirloom or landry strains. Yeah, um, they're definitely available for you. Yeah, see, see about growing them yourself. Or you can also, you know, like I said, go on something like a Leafly or a Weed Maps. And if you type in the name of a Durban Poison or an Acapulco Gold or uh, Afghani, you know, you're very likely to come up with um, lots of different kind of modern takes on or uh, modern twists on those genetics that are available to you. And the Cushes as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Cushes in general are... If it says Kush or if it says Haze, uh, depending on if I'm trying to feel up or feel down, um, or I guess I should have said that the other way, <laughs> down or up, uh, yeah, Kush or Haze, Kush being down, Haze being more up, um, yeah, for sure. I'm definitely, Durban Poison is one of the first strains that I would like to try to grow when it is legal for me to grow. I would love to have some Acapulco Gold. Uh, that, I mean, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, that, uh, that it's, it's, it's one of those experiences that you don't, you have once in your life and forever you are chasing. Um, yeah, I'm trying to have it more. <laughs> I don't want it to be a once in my life. No. I, I would like somebody to grow some Acapulco gold. Or we just need to go to Mexico. Please, somebody grow some Acapulco gold. <laughs> are you growers listening? Uh, speaking of listening, as always, folks, we greatly appreciate you listening and tuning in. Um, this question was asked by several of you across the period of several weeks. If you have a question or any feedback about the show, but especially a question, uh, we love doing these question and answer shows. We love the opportunity to look this stuff up and learn more about it ourselves. Um, as you know, we're all about education, so... Uh, if you have any questions, please send them our way so that we can learn about them together. And somebody grow some Acapulco gold. Yeah, for sure. If you know <laughs> of, of some Acapulco gold being grown in a recreational market somewhere uh, that we can access, please let me know. I'll be in California in October. I don't have any trips planned for Colorado right now, but... Who knows? Have weed will travel. Yep. Uh, even with these gas prices, I'm still willing to travel for some, I actually, I'll, I'll be in Ohio again. So one of these days I got to drive across the line to Michigan and, uh, do and it up, do, do what, <laughs> do what our buddy Chris do and, uh, bring you some reviews from out of state. You know, we brought you DC, but it would be cool for us to venture out branch into, I, I know I saw, um, Delaware 
is putting forth a referendum for adult use. So we might have something close by real soon. New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey we've already got, which is not that far away, but it's it's also Jersey. It's also in the traffic. Uh, the traffic, too. But, <laughs> but Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> um, yeah, no, my stepsisters are in Delaware, so that gives me reason enough to go up there. Plus, I play in bocce tournaments up in Newcastle. So. Word. Shout out St. Anthony Club bocce team. Um <laughs> You can always find us at the website, www.theheadyconversations.com. There's transcripts there. There's links. There's pictures. uh, There's good times. Yeah. To be had. You can also check us out on Instagram. I am Our Lady of Mary Jane. And I can be found at your cannabis coach. We hope you will continue being well to yourselves and each other. Yeah, just take care. You know, he's from Shebergenheim. <laughs> All right, anyway.